0: I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Guys, that song just gets me pumped up and fired up and ready to go. Thank you for tuning in to another Mowing in the Dark episode, or Faith Friday episode, rather. Thanks for joining me, guys. I am so appreciative that you come back three times a week to listen to this podcast. It really uh, it touches my heart, because... I spent a lot of time thinking that nobody would care about anything that I have to say. And this podcast just keeps growing and more people are hearing it. And I just thank you guys for listening. If you would share this podcast on your social media platforms, especially Facebook, it's hard to share things on Instagram. So uh, share it on Facebook, let people know that it's out there. I would really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, today's Faith Friday episode, we are diving into Romans chapter 15. Now, I want to say that this one was a tough one for me, because Romans is winding down. uh, And I've been saying that the last couple of Faith Friday episodes, we're going through the book of Romans right now. If you're new to the podcast, Faith Friday episodes, we I choose a book of the Bible, and I go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, all the way through the book of the Bible, try to break it down so that it's easier to understand. I can't bring out everything that's in there. I am not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school. I just love reading the Word of God, and so I try to bring out the main points that the author is trying to get at. Now, if you're new to Christianity, or if you're not even a Christian, God is, is the ultimate author of the Bible. However, the Bible is not just one big long book. It is compiled into one big long book, <clears throat> but the Bible is actually 66 books that were written over the span of thousands of years. And so, and it's, it's written by many different authors, not just one author. There are some books that are written by one guy, like we're in Romans, and Romans and some of these other letters, they're really letters, but we call them books of the Bible, um, they were written by Paul. Uh, And a lot of the New Testament was written by Paul. Now, Paul was a bad dude, but he was also a really good dude. Uh, He was bad, he persecuted the church, he was killing Christians. And then God changed his heart and changed his life. And then Paul ends up being persecuted by the same people that he was helping persecute the church. And so that's just a little background in the Bible. If you're not even a Christian, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, but you're here and you're listening, you're, you're searching, that's a little bit about the Bible, Okay, I would I would encourage you if you are new to, to the faith or if you're not even a Christian, I would let I would encourage you to look up Vody Baccom on YouTube. Watch some of his stuff. It's very good. He is he's a doctor, so he's he's a doctor of divinity. So he is very, very versed in this stuff, and I'm telling you, it is really, really good. He is really good. So I would challenge you to go look up his stuff. But with all that being said, we're going to jump into Romans chapter 15. Now I am only going to go because Romans chapter 15 is kind of long. We are going to start at verse one and we're going to end at verse 22 because the next section is actually Paul. He, again, this is a letter to the Roman church so he, he starts talking, he gets away from some of the main points of what he's saying here and starts just talking to the church about things that he's going to do in the coming days or what he would like to do. All right. But he, you know, we'll get into that next week as we close out Romans. But let's jump into Romans chapter 15. I just, the way we do it here, I read the scripture and then I go back to verse one and try to break it down verse by verse. Now I will say today, I am probably going to have to use a commentary that I have because it was really tough to find a lot of good stuff in Romans chapter 15, but we're going to bring out what we can. Okay. So here we go. Let's do this. Romans chapter 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the fa- th- failings, I'm sorry. Let me start again. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not be ple- and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the evidence and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm, to confirm the praise, promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing, pray, I will sing hymns to, to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points, as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a Minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty to of proclaiming the Gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sanctified by the Holy Spirit, therefore, therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me and leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of the signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Iliacum, I don't know how to pronounce that word, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. And that ends where we're going to stop today at verse 22. So let's go back to verse 1. I'm sorry for the reading mistakes there. I've got a little bit of a shadow down here in my office. I need to get another light. I, have, I actually have a ring light on my uh, Christmas list. So I'm hoping that I get that so I can get a little bit more light when I'm doing this type of thing. So I don't have shadows and things like that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's go back to verse 1. All right we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves so this is a letter to the church we cannot forget that this is a letter to the church at rome many many thousands of years ago okay but we can also take from this that we need to bear with each other we're going to fail we we're weak a lot of us are weak There are some who are older in the faith faith, who don't fail as much in our churches. I mean, we can take this as a letter to the church today, and we can take this as a letter to us today, individually, but you have to take it in context as well. So that's why I encourage you so often to not take the Bible out of context. And that's why I read the Bible with these episodes the way I do, so that we don't take the Word of God out of context. At least I try not to, okay? I'm not perfect, but we can, we can at least try. So again, verse 1, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. So we have to bear with those who fail. I fail. I fail a lot. All right. And I'm learning every day as I read through the scriptures and I'm convicted every single day. Well, not every single day, but a lot of days on different things that I have just done wrong, that I have created divisions amongst myself and my friends about things that aren't aren't essential, to the gospel. And so I, I, I fail at that and I'm learning every day. One of the biggest things that I'm learning is to keep my mouth shut is to, to pray and to keep my mouth shut until I am really convicted that I need to share something. Uh, uh, some of I've shared it on the podcast before. I was a worship leader for 15 years, okay? Worship band, you know, the whole nine yards. Music, lights, dry, loud music, all that stuff. I don't do that anymore. Now I go to a a hymns-singing church, pretty much, for the most part. We do some choruses, but not many. And there's a reason why I, I've gone that way. Because I was hurt by worship music because it just kept me where i was when i first believed i there was no growth in my life there was no growth there was no no desire to get into the word i just i felt like i was spiritual enough with these songs that i was singing because god loves me god loves me god loves me so many worship songs today just focus on god's love they don't focus on the other attributes of God and all they focus on is God's love. Oh, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. Yes, he does. It's absolutely true. He does. But there's other things that come along with love, like justice. And if you don't have if you have love, you can't have love without justice. We went over this earlier in Romans several several episodes ago. We've been in Romans a long time. So <laughs> and so you have to have multiple, you have to, when you do praise and worship, you need to incorporate all of God's attributes, not just love. And so I was hurt by that for, you know, and coming out of that, I've just been devouring God's word and trying to, and now I am growing, but I re looking back, I'm realizing all these things that I failed at. And it was just, it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard. And so I'm just, I'm so thankful that many, many people in the church bore with me and still bear with me in my weakness. And, and I hope that I bear with others in their weakness. I'm really trying to do that these days. Um, It's not easy. It's, Sometimes somebody will say something that on Facebook, especially that I just want to comment on, but I just know they they, usually it's people that go to my church or people that I know Uh, sometimes it's people that go to my church, I have a lot of friends, but it, it just, I have to learn to keep my mouth shut and pray and really discern. Is this something that I really need to comment on? Is this something that Jesus would comment on, or is this going to divide us? Is this going to divide, put a divide between me and this person, or me and whoever sees this post, and then we're going to have this big blowout argument about things that really don't matter? So that that's what I, that's what I I think that Paul is getting at here, with with uh, bear with the failings of the week. And honestly, I think we're all weak. I think we are all weak. We all were weak at different points, just like our body, just because the church is like a body. And so some, you know, I have some carpal tunnel issues. So there are some days when my hands cramp up and they are weak. I have to bear with that. My hands are weak. Sometimes other times I have a cold You get colds too. You get sick or whatever. You have to bear with your your head and your nose and your throat, and bear with it because that's weak. And so it's the same with the church. We have to bear with each other, not to please ourselves. It's not to please ourselves, but it's to honor God and to continually keep the the body of Christ strong. Verse two, each of us should please his neighbor for his good. To build him up. So, what Paul is saying here is each of us should please his neighbor. Who's your neighbor? It, it's anybody. It's anybody. But I, I believe here he is talking specifically to the church. So, we need to, each of us should please his neighbor or, you know, whoever um, for his, not for my, for his good to build him up. So we are to be building up our brothers and sisters in Christ, not tearing them down. Like I feel like I have done. Now, there are things that I will stand on and I will not back down from like gay marriage in the church. That is something I, that I hold that in a closed hand that I will not, I will not back down from that argument. Because that is something that the Bible is clear on. All right? Homosexuality is a sin. And in the church, we should not be promoting homosexuality. Does that mean that homosexuals cannot come to my church? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But does that mean that we are going to allow them to be members of our church? That we are going to allow, that we're going to marry them? That we're going to. to uh, accept their behavior. No, we won't because it's just not scriptural. Now in, in our church, because we take that stand, people that are gay or homosexual, whatever you want to call them, probably won't be back for a second time because it's just not, we're not going to accept that behavior. Okay, because it's sinful as the body of Christ, we are called to call out sin. All right. Now, not in a public way, unless someone, um, you, unless you've gone to someone, you've confronted that sin in their life. You say, Hey, you know, I see this sin in your life. You need to turn and repent and walk away from that sin. And if they choose not to do that, then you are to take another brother and you're the two of you are to go to him, this person, him or her and say, Hey man, we see this sin in your life. You need to repent of this sin and turn from it and walk away from it. If they still don't listen, this is where we then make it public and we bring them before the church. And we say, we have come to you. We have said, we have come with concern that you have the sin that you are continually committing. We have brought it to your attention. You have refused to walk away from it. Because of this, we are asking, we are now telling you, you must leave our church. And that's a hard that's a hard thing to do, but that's called church discipline, and you have to do that sometimes in the church, and that's the way it. That's the way Paul has described it, the author of Romans, uh, in Timothy, I believe it is somewhere in Timothy. I'm not sure where it is, but it's there, um, and uh, it it's it's the reason it is made that way. And produced that way is so that hopefully, when it comes to that point, and that bro- that brother or sister is asked to leave the church, they will finally get the the get it through their head that oh, I miss my family, I miss the church family, I want to walk away from this sin, and repent, and be joined to the body of Christ again. So. I forget where that all started, but let me read verse two again. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. we got to build each other up. Verse three, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So if you think back to the crucifixion story, if you've read Jesus, If you've read the crucifixion story in your Bible, maybe you're, like I've said before on this episode, maybe you are, you've never even heard the gospel before. Maybe you know nothing about the Bible. So the crucifixion story is where Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. All right. And so what kind of what I get a picture of here is that the insults, that were hurled at Jesus while he was on the cross. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading this wrong. Let me go back. <laughs> Verse 3 again. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So, if we get insulted, those insults fall on Christ. And... and if someone insults our brother, we are insulted together. Okay. I I think that's what Paul is saying. Let me go to my commentary here. Verse three, I believe. Yes. Verse three. Let's see what the commentary says. I use the believer's Bible commentary. Okay. Okay. It's written by William McDonald. Uh, You can pick yours up on Amazon. That's where I got mine. It's actually a very good resource. Okay, so fifteen three. Christ has given us the exa- the example. He lived to please his Father, not himself. He said, "The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me." So the insults. That's pretty much what reproach means. It means insults. This means. That he was so completely taken up with God's honor that when men insulted God, he took it as a personal insult to himself. All right, so that is what we are supposed to do with our brothers and sisters in Christ. When one of our brothers or sisters is insulted, we are supposed to take that as an insult to ourself. That's what I'm reading here. Verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the ed- and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So everything that was written in the Old Testament you know, all, all the old books of the Bible that so many people don't read anymore, including me. I have a hard time reading the Old Testament. Uh, I've tried to get into it, and I do read some of it sometimes. But the New Testament is so much better, guys, because it's after Christ has come. And, you know, it's more, it just, it speaks to me more than the Old Testament, Because the Old Testament is just a bunch of stories that are pointing to Christ. Essentially, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's essentially what it's doing. And so I find the New Testament much more enjoyable to read. But I know that the whole counsel of Scripture is really, really good. And I need to be reading all that stuff as well. Verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So everything in the past, so that through endurance, that's through insults, through pain, through torture, so through, through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, that's what we get in the New Testament a lot of times, is the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. That's what we can have hope in, and that's what the scriptures point to is that we can have hope in Jesus Christ. Verse 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you followed Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. I'm sorry. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is he's speaking to the whole church here. He wants us to be unified. Paul is saying, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to have endurance in spirit so that you have unity among yourselves to be able to follow Christ. Because it's hard. It is hard. And when we are divided, when the body of Christ is divided, we aren't going to make it. We aren't going to be able to follow Christ. Because it's that hard. We need each other. We need to be going to church. We, and, and the thing is, guys, church today, many of these mega churches are not really churches. I mean, they're, they're a church, but they're not really a church. Okay, let me explain why. The Sunday gathering, the church gathering, is for the encouragement of the believer for the building up of the believer, for the encouragement of the believer, for the fellowship of the believer, so that we get unified, so that we come together, so that we become stronger in one spirit, so that when we go out in the week and we are out in the world, we are strong. Churches today, many of the mega churches have gone to a seeker, uh, a, a an evangelistic church service, the church gathering, the Sunday gathering was never, ever meant to be a a a a a gathering of non-believers so that they could be saved. Do some come? Yes, it was never intended to be a place where where the we 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 preach salvation. I mean, yes, we do, but it's it's for the, the encouragement of the believer, not not to draw, I mean it does, but it, you guys get what I'm saying, I hope, that yes, it will draw non-believers. But it is mainly for the encouragement of the church. And these big churches, these mega churches, not all, but some have turned to a seek, what they call a seeker sensitive atmosphere where everything is very surface level. And it's all about calling non-believers to Christ. While that is good, that is needed. It is not what the Sunday gathering is supposed to be. Because where do the Christians, where does the church get unified? Where is the church supposed to go and be built up? They're just getting milk. They need meat. Once you are a believer, you need to start consuming meat. And, and if all you're getting is this milk, you're not going to grow. And that's what happened to me. For 15 years, I was getting milk and no growth. Now that I'm in a church where I get meat, I'm growing. I have a desire to be in the Word. I have a desire to study. I have a desire to share the gospel. Whereas before, I had no desire to share the gospel. I had no desire to be in the Word. I had no desire to study because I was only getting milk. I wasn't getting meat. So we so often are missing out. When we go to these huge churches that are seeker-sensitive churches, we are missing out on the building up of the body. And I, I get it. Some of these churches have small groups, but let me tell you, these small groups, they're doing these little Bible study books or whatever they're doing. It's not enough. It's not enough you need you need the pastor, the shepherd to be teaching you. You need him to be building you up, to be feeding you. And he the oftentimes the pastor is not feeding. He's he's calling in new sheep. And that is not the role of a shepherd. The shepherd is The role of the shepherd is to keep the flock together, to keep them in the area, to not lose them. That is the role of the shepherd. All right? I hope I made myself clear. (laughs) All right. Verse 6 So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be together so that. with one mouth and one heart we may glorify god the father that is what the church has to be doing that is why we need a church that is giving us meat not just milk we need those hymns i don't care if you rewrite the like rewrite the music to a hymn it's the words it is the words of the hymns that are meat in worship. It is the word of God that is the meat in your daily life. So I encourage you to get in the word, start listening to those hymns. I like I said I don't care if they're modernized, I don't care. What I care about is the words of those hymns getting into your life. They build you up. It's meat. All right, verse 7, accept one another, accept one another then, just as Christ accepts, accepted you in order to bring praise to God. All right, again, I have to remind you, this is written to the church. This is not written to every single person. He is saying, each one of you in the church, accept one another. If you're in the body of Christ, accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. It is, Paul is not saying here, we need to accept everybody. We need to accept, again, just to use that illustration of the, the gay couple that comes to our church. Are they welcome? Sure. Yes, but they will never be welcome to partake in the Lord's Supper they will never be welcomed to be recognized as a married couple. They will never be welcomed to join our church as a member. Because they are choosing to live in sin. That, that's what my church and many other churches have done and do do. Because the church is exclusive. It's not inclusive. Do you understand? Like, There's sin and there's not sin. Is the church full of sinners? Yes. Yes, absolutely. That is why I'm saying, would we accept a gay married couple to come to our church? Yes, we would. But we also have to uphold the word of God. We are fine if they're there but they will never be able to be a member as long as they are living in sin. in outright, blatant um, disregard for the word of God. And it's the same thing with anyone else that we see with sin. If we know that someone is living in blatant, unrepentant sin, that's the thing. If it's unrepentant, what does repent mean? It means to turn away from. So are there are there men in my church that watch porn? Probably. Uh, the statistics bear that out. Have they repented of that sin? Probably. If I don't know, I can't call it out. But if I know... It is my responsibility as a brother in Christ to call it out, to go to that brother in private and say, Hey, I know you're doing this thing. It's sin. It's blatant sin. It is in disregard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to repent and turn from it. And if they don't, I am then called to bring a brother with me. Like I said before the whole church discipline thing. Churches have to start doing church discipline. It is so important. The more I read the word, the more I see how important church discipline is. All right, verse eight. We got to get moving here. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's wrath to confirm the promises he made to the patriarchs. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to conform to the promises made to the patriarchs. All right, let me go to my commentary. I'm not sure what to think about that. All right, here's the commentary. This consideration leads Paul to express the wish that the God who gives steadfastness and comfort will enable the strong and the weak gentile and jewish christians to live harmoniously according to the teaching and example of christ jesus all right that sounds pretty easy to me now i want to explain for anyone that's new anyone that may not be familiar with the bible that the difference between a jew and a gentile is simply this a jew is a jew and a gentile is not that's it there's jew and there's gentile that's it so it, a Gentile is just anyone who is not a Jew. Simple, easy peasy. All right, let's keep going here. Verse nine, so that the Gentiles, we just talked about that, may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Okay, let's stop right there before we go any further. So in the Old Testament, Gentiles were, were not able to to be close to God. We were basically cut off. Jews were God's chosen people. The Jews were the chosen people of God. It was the Israelites, the Jewish people, who were able to make sacrifices for their sins. Gentiles were not. We weren't even allowed in the temple. And so we were cut off. But now that that Jesus Christ has come and died and raised from the dead, that is why we may now glorify God. Because of his mercy, as it is written, we're going to keep going here, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Verse 10, again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, verse 12, And again, Isaiah says the root of Jesse, Jesse is in the Old Testament and um, the root of Jesse, that is, uh, I can't remember now. I I will go to the commentary here in a second and hopefully it will bring that out. Uh, The root of Jesse will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations. All right. So the root of Jesse is Jesus Christ. That's what this means here. He will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. So what Paul is saying here is that he's reminding the Roman church and us that we are included now. We can be included. We have grace. We are included. That is something to get really excited about. It's not just the Jews. Everyone has the opportunity to be saved. That is something to get excited about. So I think I'm not going to go to the commentary after that now that I, I had a brain fart and I was able to come back to it. Okay, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. When you, be, when you come to Christ, there is something, it's not magic, all right? It's not magic. But it is something that is called the joy of the Lord. When you come to Christ, you are filled with hope. You have hope for the future. When you are apart from Christ, you have no hope for the future, your future is in hell, in and, and eternal torment and, and, and just torture. When you come to Christ, you now have hope, and you are filled with joy and peace. You have such peace in your heart when you come to the Lord, as you trust in him. And that peace and that joy, it overflows with hope, by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ, you accept him, you choose to follow him. When you say, when when you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth, or I'm sorry, I got that wrong. When you believe in your heart that Christ rose from the dead that God raised Christ from the dead and you you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you will be saved when you do that I'm not talking about a sinner's prayer I'm talking about belief when you believe you are filled with the holy spirit it has nothing to do with speaking in tongues has nothing to do with babbling like a baby it it has everything to do with belief if you believe and you confess with your mouth in front of people, I've gone over this before, in front of people, you will be saved. And you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is where that joy, that peace, that hope comes from. All right, let's keep going. Verse 14. I myself, this is Paul again, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. So he is basically because the Roman church was, was partially Jewish and partially Gentile. And he is telling them, look guys, I have every confidence in you that you are full of goodness, that you have Christ Jesus that you have the knowledge and are competent to instruct one another in the word of the Lord. That's what he's saying. Verse 15, I have written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again because of the grace of God, because of the grace God gave me. Okay, let me go to the commentary because I'm a little confused on what 15 is saying there. Let me go to the commentary. Verse 15. Oh my goodness. In spite of his confidence in their spiritual progress, and in spite of of the fact that he was a stranger to them, Paul didn't hesitate to remind them of some of their privileges and responsibilities. His frankness in writing, as he did, arose from the grace given to him by God. That is the grace that appointed him as an apostle. All right, so that I'm just going to leave that there. Like I said, I'm not a Bible scholar, guys. Verse 16, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God sacrificed by the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying here, his call is to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. That's his call. That is where he feels God is calling him to do it. In fact, God actually physically said to him, I want you to go to the Gentiles. Well, now I say that and now I'm thinking maybe that is the wrong statement, but it is what Paul did. He preached the gospel to the Gentiles and it's by God's grace. And I think part of that is because Paul was a Jew, he was he was a pharisee. Paul is the most educated author in the Bible. By far. He I mean he was a pharisee of Pharisees. He was like I mean you want to talk about somebody that knew the Bible backwards and forwards, which is really the five first five books of the Bible. He knew it. He had it memorized. And he was a Pharisee. He kept the law as good as he could. Nobody could keep the law perfectly. Verse 17. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. 18. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. So he's just saying that God speaks through him. Let me, I'm going to go back to the commentary here. Verse 18, Paul does not presume to speak of what Christ had done through the ministry of others. He confines himself to the way the Lord had used him to win the Gentiles to obedience, both by what he said and by what he did. That is, by the message he preached and by the miracles he performed. All right, verse 19. By the power, okay, this is, again, the miracles. We just read about this in the commentary. By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum, again, I don't know how to say that. um, And it doesn't say how to pronounce it in my commentary, so we're just going to go with that. Um, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So he he traveled, Paul traveled, proclaiming the gospel and planting churches. That is what he did. Verse 20, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Verse 21, Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. So he's just kind of explaining as we're wrapping the book of Romans up. We've got another chapter and a half to go, but he's kind of winding it down here. And he's, he's saying that this is why, this is my call. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm called to do. And I don't want to build on someone else what somebody else has already started. I, I want to I want to preach to those who haven't heard. I I want to I want to preach to those who don't know. I don't want to preach to the Jews because they've heard about this their whole life. That's a whole other can of worms that Paul would have to open. No, he wants to preach to those who haven't heard about Jesus Christ. And honestly. That is something that we are called to as well. We are called not to preach, the, not to share the gospel. I mean, yes, we are called to share the gospel in our churches, but we are mostly called to share the gospel out in the world during the week in our everyday conversations, not just at church. We're not supposed to just rely on the pastor to give the gospel message. So many people, myself included, have done this for many, many years. We relied on the pastor because we went to a seeker-sensitive church, so we didn't have to because we knew that the the, uh, the pastor would give an altar call or, or he would call for, for these people to repent. So we didn't have to. We didn't have to share the gospel because we knew all we had to do was invite them to church. What a stinking cop-out. That is not what we as believers are called to do we are called to share christ right there right then that very minute with those who don't know him we're not supposed to wait three weeks and invite them to church and hope and hope that they come we are supposed to do it right there i get i get frustrated with these seeker sensitive churches because people don't share the gospel anymore. They just, well, I'll invite you to my church. How about you come to my church? Come to my church. Oh, we have great music. Yeah. But it's the same thing every week. It's the same watered-down gospel every week. Once, once somebody becomes saved, they need meat. They need to start chawing on some really thick stuff some of that hard stuff some of that stuff that transforms some of that stuff that sanctifies milk doesn't satisfy milk you can't chew on it you just swallow it okay there we go no we need meat we got to be able to chew on it chewing makes us strong we need that we need strength we need that, that protein, that scriptural protein. So when we go to these secret of churches, man, there's just no meat. And oftentimes when you dig down and you scrape that layer of what looks like real goodness on the top, you find just nasty, rancid, infected churches because it looks good on the top it's got that top layer of skin but it's not healing because nobody got in there and did the work to scrape out the wound to scrape out the infection and so now we've got a lot of churches that are full of of people that are going and they're drinking milk every day and it tastes good and it tastes sweet, but they're not growing in the medical field. We call that failure to thrive. And so people are dying and we're seeing it. We're seeing believers walk away. I believe genuine believers who have only been fed milk by their churches And so they are constantly, numbers, huge numbers of people are leaving the church today because all they get is milk. All they get is milk. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He can forgive your sins. Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Jesus is love. After a while, you need some justice. You need some mercy. You need some, you need hope. You need some of this meat. You need sanctification. You got to dig out that wound. You got to dig out that infection so that it can heal properly. That's what churches need today. All right, guys. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to end the podcast here. I thank you so much for listening to this Faith Friday episode. I really hope it was an encouragement to you. I hope it got you thinking maybe about your church, maybe about where you're going to church, maybe about how you could stay there and encourage the leadership of your church to go deeper, to actually maybe turn from being seeker-sensitive and turn to feeding that meat, feeding that meat to hungry, hungry people who are desperate for protein, for that real word of God, that deep word of God that transforms, that sanctifies. All right, guys, thanks for listening again, and I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.